Here we are again. How's your week going? Well, um, it's been a little hectic. It's been awesomely hectic. And the reason is Anthony, Anthony and Irene and their five kids showed up on Wednesday. So, uh, and they're like staying upstairs with Nicola. And so there's, there's 10 kids up there and four adults. And I have my little spot downstairs. Event, you know, every now and then they do come down and kind of like, you know, invade is a good word. But then I say, I think I hear your mom up there calling. <laughs> you better go back up. I need peace. No, but it's been awesome, and they're, they're going to be here in a couple of weeks. They've they got a lot of churches that they also are part of their uh, support team, and so they're, they're down in Connecticut this Sunday and down in New Jersey next week, and then they'll be here with us on Christmas. Let's open our Bibles, Titus chapter 2. <clears throat> I hate to bring this up, but when Val was uh, talking about the, uh, the skating party, where is she? She left. She's not feeling well. I remembered we had a skating party. This was for the whole church. This was a very long time ago. This was important, right? This is an important, important skating party. And we had like two... We had, I was only remembering one, then I remembered the second one. We had two very important events that took place. Uh, number one, Barbara fell and broke her something over here. Something broke, I forget what. Her wrist? Her wrist. So that was kind of a bummer, but she was a good sport about it. And then also... Larry and Susan, that was like their first get-together date at that meeting. So how long ago was it then? 22 years? Wow. I don't skate, by the way. I might have put some on that time, but, you know, after watching what happened to Barbara, I was like, Titus chapter 2, we're, uh, we're looking at this verse, in fact, we sang the song and we're going to sing it each week that we do it uh, so we can remember it. The song we sing is in the King James Version, so there's some slight differences, but the, the, uh, the gist is all there. And uh, let's look at those, we'll read the four verses again, and then uh, we'll look at verse 12 today. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. We'll talk about that when we get to the last verse, but we, the King James Version said that we are his peculiar people. And uh, 
it's, you know, we understand what does it mean when you hear the word peculiar? Odd, weird. Well, some of you, I was going to say you, but some of us <laughs> are like that. But what it really means is what it says here. We are his very own, his very own people to purify for himself a people that are his very own. So last week we looked at, at the grace of God and, and uh, you know, th- this is really the foundation for all of it, the whole chapter really, but especially this verse, the grace of God, the unmerited favor, the undeserved favor that God just gave to us. That's the foundation for, for everything, that, that we don't deserve anything. You and I do not deserve anything. We, and God doesn't owe us anything. The only thing we deserve is what? Death and hell. That's what we deserve because of the sin that's in us, because of the holiness of God. But, but He decided to give to us freely something that we have not earned, something that we have not deserved. And we are saved. We are saved from death and hell by grace. Not by works, not by things that we have done. We looked at that in a lot of detail last time. The grace that brings salvation. This grace came, it came when Jesus came, and we were, we're talking about uh, Christmas, and I can't help but think we're, sing, you know, we're singing some extra Christmas songs in that, and you know, that very wise and spiritual man uh, uh, in Elf said that you know, when you sing these songs, you know, Christmas cheer begins to build, right? So that's, we're trying to build something here, right? Some of you have not seen Elf, you don't, never mind. But this grace, this grace that came, it was available to all. It says it appeared to all men. It's available to all men. It's sufficient for all men. It's offered to all men, but only those who receive it, who truly receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, are saved. And I love that quote where John Newton, who wrote the song, the great song, Amazing Grace, he says, I'm a great sinner. And he couldn't remember anything else except I'm a great sinner and Jesus Christ is a great Savior. If we forget everything else, that's what it is. I'm a sinner, but He's a Savior. So we receive His grace. As we look into verse 12 today, we receive His grace. And then what? That's the question. And then what? Then what happens after that? He has given to us something we have not deserved. We receive it as a gift, His grace. But then what happens? Then what what happens with our life? Since it's not based, this salvation is not, let me say that again, it is not based on what we do, right? That's clear. That's what grace is, the definition of grace. Since it's not based on what we do or how we live, then it doesn't matter what I do or how I live? Romans chapter 6, and I'll put it up on the screen so you can see it clearly and read along with me. It says, what shall we say then? Because people were asking that question when Paul was writing, when Paul was, was uh, alive on the earth. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He said, by no means. 
We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? You see, there was this idea, well, you know, I'm saved by grace. It's not by anything I do. It's not by my life, anything about my life. So I can just do whatever I want and live as crazy and wild as I can. And that will make grace look bigger, right? The worse I live, the, gra- the, the greater grace looks, right? That's kind of that the, the, uh, the, the idea. That's what they were saying back then. So Paul writes these words here in, in Romans like, are you kidding me? In our modern language, he would say, what shall we say? He said, no. So really, what I want to think about today is, is this idea, what should our response be to, gra- to the grace of God in our lives? And what are the effects of grace in our lives? And, and, and are our lives changed by grace? That's really the, the bottom of it. And, and uh, uh, what, I, what I see here in verse 12 is this idea. Look at verse 12 again, and it starts off by, it says this, it. Now, what is it referring to? The grace of God, it. It teaches us to say no. So it teaches us, we are, and I, and I was thinking about this, you and I are in the school of grace. We're not in the school of law where he's, you know, beating a hammer down on us. We are not in the school of entitlement where we think we, oh, you know, we deserve everything from God. He's just going to keep giving it to us because we deserve it. We're not in the school of self-esteem. We're not in the school of earning our way. We're in the school of grace. This grace, this free gift God has just given to us, and so it teaches us. It teaches us. And I don't know about you, but, but I need to be taught. Any of you need to be taught? You say, well, you know, uh, I'm out of school now. Thank God I'm out of school now. You know, some of you are saying, I wish I could say that. You know, you, some of you guys are in, in high school. Some of you are in college, and you're going, I wish I was out of school. I, I want to say this to you right now that are in school. Be thankful that you are still in school. <laughs> because when you get out, then you've got to face some, some very harsh realities. So just enjoy it, Right? But the truth of the matter is that we should never stop learning, and we are in the school of grace, and we need to be taught now. We need to be saying to Him, the one who gave us everything freely, God, I want to learn. Show me the way. I need to be taught. I owe everything to you, so will you teach me? I want to be teachable. I found this interesting quote. It says this, The same grace that saves us also trains us in the school of holiness. you got to think about this when I talk about being in the school of grace. How is God, how is God training us? And what kind of a, a, a hand is He using with us? Like I said, is He just beating you down? Oh, you blew it again? Bam! Or is He, or is he gentle? Is he, is, he, is he freely giving to us the strength we need to, to get up and start walking again? I think that's the school of grace, the school that God wants to teach us in. So we're in this school of grace, right? And what does it say there? It says, it teaches us, what? To say no, in this version, 
to ungodliness and worldly passions. There's a negative side of this and there's a positive side of it. And, and they're both important. We, there's certain things we need to say no to and there's certain things we need to say yes to, certain things we need to refuse and reject because that's what this word where it says no in this version, some versions say deny. That's what it literally means to deny or to refuse, to reject, where you say no, I will not. But let's keep it in the context that grace is teaching us this. God, by His grace, by His free will gift to us, is teaching us. Again, He's not saying, oh, you blew it, you're done, out of here. You can go back down the ladder and start again. That's kind of how we operate. That's how, how we think. But grace is very different than that. This word here where he says, you know, to say no or to deny, uh, he says that we should be saying no or denying uh, ungodliness and worldly passions. Now, this word is the same word where it talks about denying the Lord, where Peter denied the Lord. He said no to the Lord. He refused. He rejected. He denied the Lord. And in most cases, that word is used in the New Testament speaking about that. So I think there's this thing for us where we have to decide what are we going to say no to or who are we going to say no to? Are we going to say no? Are we going to deny and reject and say no to Jesus or to the world? Because you can't do both. You can't serve God and mammon or God and the world at the same time, right? So when we're saying no to one thing, we're saying yes to the other. So who is it? Who is it that we're going to say yes to? Who is it that we're going to say no to? Is it the world? Is it the things? We have choices to make. And when you think about Peter's life in the end, I think you can see this picture of grace, right? When, when Jesus restored him, right? He, he denied, he did this how many times? Three times, right? Those of you that, that know the story. And Jesus came to him and, 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 and he met with Peter and, and he, said, he said to him three times, he said, do you love me? And, and you know that whole exchange, we're not going to get into that. But three times, and, and there was this grace there where Jesus just took him aside and he said, listen, I'm here, I'm going to restore you, I'm going to accept you, and, and you need to keep going on. You need to keep going on. So you and I, we have these choices to make, and, and I was thinking about this because this version kind, kind of, it kind of brings up this idea, you know, in our, in our society, you know, this idea of just say no, right? Just say no, and you, all your problems will be solved, right, if you just say no. Well, there's some truth in that, but I think that for us as Christians, as believers in the school of grace, I think there's more than that. I think there's a power that we have that the people in the world do not have. You can say, just say no to that, that drug or that drink or whatever, that, that uh, desire, that passion, whatever it is, these things, walking away from God. Oh, just say no. But the grace of God teaches us, the grace of God in my life teaching me, giving me the strength to say no. See, that's very different, isn't it? Very different than just say no. Without the grace of God helping me, I don't think we can do it. I really don't. That's why we, again, I, I mention this often as a, uh, as often as I can and as I think of it, this, 
a U-turn for Christ. You know, it's, it's a U-turn that takes place in people's lives. And, and, and most of those guys, I will say, most of those men and women have been through other, other types of programs where they say, just say no. They've, been, they've tried a lot of different things. Just say no. But they come and they develop a relationship with Jesus that gives them the strength to truly say no, to, tru- to truly refuse and reject those things that, that you know, are binding them, that are controlling them. So here in this verse, he says, you know, to say no to ungodliness, to refuse and reject ungodliness. And, and we're talking now about our own lives, right? What is my life like? And ungodliness, ungodliness uh, it's a simple word. It means without or wanting reverence towards God. So you have no reverence toward God. And, and so to say no to that, and, and, and it's all around us. There's a lot of ungodliness around us where they are rejecting. There's no reverence toward God. It's, it's in our language, right? It's in our everyday language. You say, why do you say that? Why? Because people use the name of God over and over and over again. There's no reverence there. OMG, what does that stand for? Oh, my God. They say it over and over again. People say, oh, God. Now, do you think they're crying out to God? So, you know, I believe that's taking the name of the Lord in vain. That's taking God's name in vain. And some of us even do that, and I think we need to pay very close attention to our own lives, that we're not saying this this phrase over and over again just because it's acceptable in the world, just because that's what they do in the world. They use it over. They say, Jesus Christ, over and over again. Are they crying out to Jesus Christ? No, so they're using the name of Jesus in vain. They are, there's no reverence for that name. Use it as a swear word. I think you and I need to be different. I think you and I need to have the grace of God changing me from the inside out to be very different. Where he's going to say in the, the second half, in the positive side, that we would live godly lives. Not ungodly lives, with no reverence for God, but there's something that we have a reverence for God. I remember I worked for a guy and, and, uh, many, many years ago, and, and uh, he would use the name of the Lord in vain, like so often. Finally, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. I had to say something. You know, I had to say, you know, Jesus, you use that name Jesus so often and, and like in a, in a completely inappropriate way. I said, Jesus is my Savior. Now, did he change completely? No, but he, was try, he tried to be a little more sensitive, I think. And, and for you and I, that, that's not saying that we're better than them. We're saying that the name is better than the way they're using it. Do we have to speak up sometimes? Sometimes we do. I think we do sometimes. Not every time, because you're going to be saying it, you know, 150 times a day. But there are some situations I think we need to say, listen, just, just so you know, you know, when you use the name of God, that that's, you know, God to me is the creator. Jesus Christ to me is the Savior. The Bible declares him to be those things. The second thing he talks about is these worldly passions. Some say worldly lusts. Simply, and this is not hard to figure out, the desires or the cravings 
or the longings for that which belongs to the world. This present corrupt world. Uh, McDonald, uh, commentator, also said it's not just sexual sins, but it's also lust or passions for wealth, for power, for pleasure, for fame. You say, oh, okay. So he's teaching me to reject, refuse, to deny, to say no to some of these worldly things. Now, some of these things in and of themselves are not bad. It's this craving for. It's this lust after. It's the longing for of the things that belong to this world. And the truth of the matter of this world that we live in today is, is these things are pretty much uh, anything goes. These things, it's okay. And the world is telling you it is okay. These things are all okay. It doesn't matter. None of these things matter. Even though the Bible says you know, that the, the sexual relationship should be within a, uh, the confines of marriage, a man and his wife. That's what the Bible says. You, you go back to the beginning, that's the way it was. Wealth is okay, but to lust for it, power, to have position is okay, pleasure is okay, fame is okay, but, but to lust after these things? The Bible says that these are the things that matter. These are the only things that matter. And go for them. Live it up. Some of you are thinking, well, I, you know, I, I, I don't know what you're, if you're saying, if that's really true about this, the society we live in. If you watch TV for one hour, you'll find out. You can watch football. Some of you are going to go watch football later today. Watch the commercials. Or don't watch the commercials, maybe I should say. You know, we have kids in the room and we have a football game on. We have to have someone near that remote control so that they can change it during the commercials because you don't know what might come on. Why? Because they're saying it's okay. All these things are okay to, to go for it, to go for, you know, extremes. Whoa, getting quiet in here. I'm looking forward to that game, Pastor. Are you telling me I can't watch football? No, I'm not telling you at all. I'm just telling you that the world around us has got a different set of values than what the Bible is teaching us, than what, what being in the school of grace wants us to learn, to not be ungodly, to not go after all the worldly passions of the day, but to be different, to reject, to refuse to say no to the things that the world says are okay. Just because people around you and 99% of the people around you are saying, this is okay, this is good, it's okay to sleep with somebody who is not your wife or your husband. It's okay to live together. It's okay to, to do the things that, you know, is going on all around us. They say that it is okay, but, but is that what the Bible says? Is that what God, by His grace, is teaching us? Again, with, with all the love and the grace that he has, he's, he's teaching you, I want to show you a different way. Makes me think of 1 Corinthians 13. He says, but now I show you uh, the most excellent way. He talks about love. Crazy stuff, isn't it? 
Jesus talks in the, in the Gospel of John, in uh, John chapter 17, he says that we should be in the world, but what? Not of the world. I'm going to look at a few verses. If you'll turn ahead with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to look at a few verses. Peter talked about this, and then John talked about it as well. And I hate to hammer this point, but, but I think we, we need to understand what it is that we're supposed to say no to. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. <clears throat> this is what I'm talking about here. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. Talk about peculiar. I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires. Abstain. Say no, reject, refuse. He says abstain from them which war against your soul. There's a, there's a spiritual battle that we're in the middle of, and these things are warring against us. They're not going to back off easily. But notice it's, a, it's something that we have to fight against. Being in the school of grace, as he's helping us, he's teaching us. Look at chapter 4. He, he talks about it again in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says in verse 2, as a result, he, that is the person who is following Jesus, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans or unbelievers choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. I don't know about you, but I lived that way enough. I spent enough time living like that. And where did it get me? It got me in trouble is what it got me. But the people around me, you know, well, why don't you know, why aren't you coming to the parties? Why aren't you drinking it up with us? Why aren't you going and doing the things that we do now? Because Jesus is showing me a different way, because Jesus is leading me, because I'm trying to follow Jesus. And that's what's important. I spent enough time, I've already wasted enough time doing that. And, and I want to say here, though, that for those of you that have not been there and done all that stuff, then don't go to try to find out to see what you've been missing, because that's what the world says. Oh, but you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, a lot of bad memories, a lot of things that you can never get rid of from that brain of yours. One more, two books ahead, 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. You, you've heard these verses. Let's start in verse 15. 1 John 2, 15. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, 
The cravings of sinful man are the lust of the flesh, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. We have a choice. Are we going to follow after these things that are passing away, these things of the world, the the patterns of the world that, that are not from the Father, but they're from the world? That's why Jesus was speaking to his Father in John 17. He said, you know, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. But we have to stay. We need to stay in the world. We're here, but we're not of the world. We're of something different. So, we're in the school of grace. Let's turn back to Titus again. Titus chapter 2 again. That's the negative side. And the positive side here says what? He says this, and that we should live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Remember, I started off, I said, well... Okay, we've received that grace, and then what? He says, he says here, we should live. We need to say no, but we, we should also live. And, and this word live, Jesus uh, quotes this word. He says this word in, in John chapter 10. He says, I have come that you and I might have what? Life. And have it to the full, or have it more abundantly. It's like this one of these words that, that is like expanding, that we should have life. And that's why I said earlier, it's not that we're missing out on anything. He came to give us a a different kind of abundant life that the world does not have. The world cannot give to us. Oh, go for all the gusto. Well, that's all you're going to get over there is gusto. But there's not going to be any life. There's not any abundant life there. He said we should live. We should live life. One chapter and uh, one verse in John 17 also says that this is eternal life, that they may, Jesus speaking to the Father, they may know you and also the Son or Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's what life is really, the heart of what life is really all about. You say, well, that's not like what it's like where I work. That's not where, where, where it is where I go to school. That's not what it's like what, you know, at my house. I understand. Believe me. But something that happens on the inside where the grace is working in us, where you and I, again, we're in the world, we're in all of that, but we're not of the world, we're different. It's actually, it, it actually kind of bothers us. It should bother us the stuff that's going on around us. Like, oh, it it kind of grates on us because we know it's not right. We know it's not healthy. We know it's not good. He says here to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives. That's real life. We already talked about having self-control, that grace is teaching us to have self-control. We talked about that a few weeks back. To, have, to live upright, that basically just means to live right, to do the right thing, to live right. 
say, well, what is right? Who knows what is right? Because, because out there it's, uh, you know, well, what is right for you is right for you, but what is right for me is right for me, right? So who decides what is right? It's each man decides in his own heart what is right? No. The Bible tells us what's right. God tells us what's right. He says, this is what is right. This is what is wrong. You see, and people don't like to hear that, but the Bible says what's right and what's wrong. To live godly lives. That's what life is. To have this reverence for God in our lives where He's a part of my life. I don't like leave Him over here on a shelf after, you know, in the morning I have my little devotional time and then I go out to my job and I've left Him back there on the shelf. He's, he's with me. I'm with Him wherever I go. At the school, at the job, wherever I am. There may be a cost, right? Is it always easy to do what God wants us to do? No. Second Timothy says this, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted. Persecuted. Wanting to do the right thing, wanting to live a godly life isn't going to make everybody your best friend. Now, uh, you know, I've seen it go both ways where people find out that you are a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, and they, they kind of like, oh, okay, well, they kind of like you, they think you're probably, a, you know, at least you're on the right track, you're maybe a good person or whatever, and they kind of give you a break. And, but other people, it's completely opposite, right? They laugh at you. They think, oh, you're, you're a nut. You're a fruitcake. You are peculiar. Things have changed. I've, I've noticed that even in the last, say, 10 years, where it used, to be, it used to be Christians had kind of a good, you know, reputation, but now it's like, oh, the Christians, they hate everybody. They, you know, they have no tolerance for anything. Be careful. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul said to Timothy. Last point I want to make is this. Is he says it should be in this present age. And, and really, uh, there is an age to come. And he talks about that, but, but here he's talking about this present age, the age we are in. In other words, the present. Now, he means. To live for God now. Well, you know, after I'm a Christian for maybe, you know, five years, then I'll start living for God at my job. I'll start living for God, you know, after I find a husband. After I find a wife, I'll live for God then. I'll live for God, you know, after I get, you know, memorize a hundred scriptures. He's calling us to live for God now. Interesting, I found a couple other instances where it speaks about this present age. And he, he says in Ephesians 6 that this present age is dark. In Galatians chapter 1, it says that this present age is evil. 
And in 2 Corinthians 4, he says that the God of this age is who? Is the enemy, Satan, is the God of this age. But he's saying in the school of grace, now today, he wants us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Why? Because of what he's done. Let's just read this last verse together and we'll close. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The first part of verse 2, he says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of what? This world. Peter says, I've been there, I've done, I've done that long enough. But, but he says here, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. That's what I'm talking about in the school of grace where he's transforming us from the inside out. He's transforming, he's changing our mind, he's changing our heart. He's changing us to, to have a heart to do the right thing, to live for him, no matter what the cost is. It's not easy. I'm not trying to tell you that, oh, you, you live for God and everything is going to go smooth. That they, you know, I've heard those kinds of messages before. You, you just follow after God and you're going to be driving a Bentley before you know it. Some of you don't even know what a Bentley is. You'll never be sick. You're going to be the most famous person around. Just follow after God. Well, you know, that's not really what the Bible teaches. He says, follow me no matter what. Take up your cross and follow me, he says. The cross. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A couple of quotes I want to finish with. This is by a gal named Hannah Whitehall Smith. She wrote a book called The Christian's Secret of a Happy Life. Any of you ever read that? The Christian's Secret of a Happy Life. A couple of you have read it. She says this, The standard of practical holy living has been so low, and this is written some time back, I think it's worse now, so low among Christians that very often... The person who tries to practice spiritual disciplines in everyday life is looked upon with disapproval by a large portion of the church. She says, and for the most part, the followers of Jesus Christ are satisfied with a life so conformed to the world and so like it in almost every respect that to a casual observer, there is no difference between the Christian and the pagan or the unbeliever. What do you say to that? I say, God forbid that that should be true of our lives. One more quote by a guy named Francis or Francois Fenelon, who was a clergyman in France in the 1600s. He said this, you must violently resist the tides of the world. Violently give up all that holds you back from God. 
violently turn your will over to God to do His will alone. That's radical, right? Violently resist the tides of the world. But keep in mind we're in the school of grace. We do all these things and we make choices, we make decisions to say no, to say yes, but keep it in the context that we are in the school of grace, that He will give us the strength that we need, the grace that we need. What does it say? I just remembered that verse. I think it's in Hebrews where, you know, we go to the, we go boldly into the throne of grace to find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Father God, we we're thinking about this stuff. We're thinking about being in school again. I don't really want to be in school again, though. I wish it could just be over. But you have a school. You're teaching us. You're training us. You're transforming us from the inside that we might be conformed to be more like your son, Jesus. It's hard. It hurts. We, even, we, we fight against it. We fight against it on, the, on three different levels. We fight against, we have our, our own flesh we fight against. The world around us and and then the enemy of our souls, all battling against us, we fight. But we thank you that we're in the school of grace. By your powerful, incredible grace, you are working in me, in us, to change us, that we could live godly lives with reverence for who you are, that people could be able to tell the difference between us and the world. There's something different about that guy. Something different about that gal. Help us, Lord, I pray. Help us, Lord. Need your help. Maybe in these few moments, just take a moment and, and in your own heart, cry out to him right now. Tell him what, what's on your heart about this. The kind of life that people look at you and the, at me, what, what do they see? Do we just fit right in completely and totally and they go, oh, wow, you're one of us? Or they say, well, I like you, but you're not like, you're not like the rest of us. Something different about you. Cry out to the Lord right now. Ask Him to help you. Ask Him to help me to live, to follow. Lord, I pray as well for any that is here today or hears this word that needs to surrender and give up their will for the will of Jesus. You've been running from Him, maybe. And you know you're lost. You know you've tried everything the world has to offer and you, and you just have to say, I, I've tried it all and it just doesn't satisfy. It's not doing it. It's not... I can't find any peace, I can't find any help, and certainly not any hope. Well, you can right now simply cry out to the Lord Jesus and say, I, I hear that it's a free gift and I want it. So I, I received it. I, I just simply ask you 
for it. I ask you to come into my life. Save me. Forgive me. And give me that brand new life that you talk about. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.